Yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away. Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now, where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm raising a wine glass to those of you watching us. It's empty. Yeah, I know. It's 11 o'clock in the morning here on the East Coast of the U.S. For those of you who are watching us live on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and those of you listening on Voice America Business Channel, you can't see me, but it's a very beautiful wine glass, and I'm hoping some of my guests will help me fill it someday soon. So what are we talking about today? Yes, we've talked about the future of wine, the future of beer, the future of restaurants we've been doing. Well, future of now is the topic of the show, but we're going to talk about something interesting. Uh, shall we say a, a sidebar about the wine industry? What about it takes a village? The move to crowdsourced and crowd crushed. You may have a favorite winery and they may say to you, what do you think we should produce this year? Or, or what about the soil? Or what about how we should crush the grapes? This is a new movement. Let me read a couple of buzz quotes and then I will introduce my very esteemed expert panel. Wait till you hear who we have today. Somebody who's familiar on another topic and is wearing his different hat, although he's not wearing a, he's wearing a headset. Okay. So here's a quote from the WashingtonPost.com. I don't care what your politics are. This is an interesting in quotes, I'll put that aside. Virtual vintners have a say on grape varieties, barrels, and bottling. I said virtual vintners. Think about that. Crowdsourcing has become the internet's new favorite method of financing startups, authors, and researchers. Now, two wineries have adopted the idea to get their consumers involved in winemaking. So I said crowdsourcing, consumers involved in winemaking. Who knew? So that's part of our topic. Buzz number two is from a website called winefashionista.com. I love that name. And this is from a winemaker named Tom Johnson. And he says, our Cabernet Sauvignon has been picked and crushed. And the yeast strain and fermentation tannins, you, Y-O-U, all in caps, selected have been added. They did not pick the yeast I normally use. The they refers to Silversmith Winery's 797, 797 Facebook fans who voted on the winemaking decisions for the 2011 vintage. And Tom Johnson said, I thought no one would be interested and no one would participate. Boy, was I wrong. So that's winefashionista.com. We have Bill Newman. We have Bill usually on shows with me about the automotive industry. Hi, Bill. And Bill, yay, brought me this panel, brought me this idea. I'm delighted to have you here, Bill. Bill Newman, we have Alex Wong. Alex, you can wave for everybody, Oregon State University. We have Neil Collins at Tablas Creek. Hello, Neil. Big wave there from Neil. And we have Jim Bernot. Am I pronouncing that correctly? from Willamette Valley Vineyards and Jim and Alex now know that I lived in Eugene, Oregon for many years and shout out to whoever's left that I used to know. So we're talking today about the future of wineries and technology, the move to crowdsourced and crowd crushed. And without technology, we wouldn't have the ability to crowdsource, right? Because that's a, a part of the community, the culture of how we deal with each other digitally, how we relate, how we make new communities. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's get started. Bill Newman, 
We're not going to talk about your automotive background today. You're up first. Let's hear about Bill Newman, the winemaker, the winery, the vineyard expert. I know you've been doing this for years. I'm a great fan of yours, Bill. It's the first time you've been on at Stonewood Wine. So, Bill, I'm going to put you on full speaker view, and we'd love to hear the other Bill Newman introduce himself. Go ahead. Well, thanks, Bonnie, and uh, great to be with you and all the listeners, and uh, welcome to uh, friends and guests on the show today. So, Bill Newman, uh, many of you know me from some of Bonnie's other programs. Um, I've been fortunate to live and travel in some of the world's best wine regions for over 30 years while I pursued a tech and automotive career. Um, So I am a proprietor of uh, Stonewood Wine Merchants. We're a concierge service to over 100 families here in North America, as well as a uh, a homestay and uh, uh, accidental orange farmer and orange cello maker at a little property here in Southern California in Temecula uh, wine country called Stonewood Farms. Um, I'm a level two, a WSET level two with merit. I'm a candidate for the level three and uh, Jim will be happy to know I am an Oregon wine expert as well as a Burgundy expert um, because uh, Pinot Noir is uh, of course one of our uh, big, big wine fans that we love so much. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that as well as some of the, all the Rhones that uh, our friends uh, at Topless Creek also have. So I'm excited to be here and uh, very, very happy to uh, be able to join you on this uh, exciting topic. Thanks, Bonnie. Thank you, Bill. And I, I appreciate, I said, do you always say, do you send me an interesting topic? And it's usually on cars or planes or some kind of mobility. And you said, yeah, let's do a topic on wineries. Very, very clever title you gave me. And I appreciate it. All you, By the way, to all of you, all you need to do is pitch me a topic. And this to my listeners as well. Pitch me an interesting topic. And if I accept it and we'll tweak it together, then I will invite you to bring a panel of three thought leaders to join you. That's how it works. Otherwise, I couldn't do 50 live shows a year on this show in addition to my other 10 radio series. So here we go. Let's go around the table. Alex Wong, so happy to meet you. Thank you for taking time out from your graduate research. I see that in your title. Love to see the logo there. And would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself to our audience? Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, um, absolutely. Thanks for having me on and thanks for everyone for tuning in. Yeah, my name is uh, Alex Wong. I'm a PhD graduate student at Oregon State University in the Department of Botany and Plant Pathology. Um, my path to plant pathology and the grapes and vineyards uh, is sort of roundabout. I actually started as an undergraduate student at the University of Pittsburgh as a molecular biologist, um, but that wasn't really the best fit for me. I wanted to be outside and doing things with my hands. So I started a master's degree at Virginia Tech where I studied um, biological control of bacterial diseases of grapes, specifically a disease called crown gall which causes these tumor-like growths on grapevine trunks. Um, really fell in love with plant pathology when I was there. Um, so I wanted to pursue that further in my, in my career. So I came to here to Oregon State in Corvallis, Oregon. And a lot of my research involves looking at um, better managing our diseases of grapes. Uh, specifically, one of my projects looks at uh, using UVC or ultraviolet C uh, light technology to manage vineyard diseases, specific powdery mildew, which is one of our biggest problems we have here on the West Coast. Um, And this is gonna allow us to uh, help growers um, use less chemical inputs and use less fungicide applications. Um, But, you know, so I've been working in grapes for both of my graduate degrees, um, but I also am a hobbyist winemaker myself. 
So I have access to some of my research vineyards and I harvest the fruit there and, and I try to make my own wine. It's not quite uh, the same as some of the, the great wineries we have here in Oregon. It's definitely grad student wine, but it's still pretty nice. And uh, I'm also a fer food fermentation enthusiast myself. So uh, I'm no stranger to, to winemaking myself, even though I do a lot of research just on the grapes themselves. Alex, what a fascinating background. Plant pathology, I've never heard of that, but uh, there's an old old phrase, uh, he's got it made in the shade, and you certainly do. You've taken your passions. This is almost an, an interesting lesson for those of who did we lose? We lost somebody here. Uh, Jim is off the frame. I don't know where he went, but hopefully he'll come back. Uh, Jim? Oh, he dropped off. Okay, well, he's last. Hopefully he'll join back in. Um, Alex, your background is almost a, a lesson for anybody in how to take your passions, use education to become an expert or, or a, a well-rounded person in that field, and then keep moving in directions that fulfill your life, your interests, and be able to do it for a living. That's it, It's mm -hmm. a nice story. Thank you so much. Very, very inspirational. Neil Collins, while we're waiting for Jim, uh, Bill, you want to text uh, Jim and see if he's okay? Because he just simply dropped off the face of the show, and we definitely want him back. Neil Collins, happy to meet you, and we'd love to hear more about you other than just Tablas Creek. So I'm putting you on full speaker view. Neil, welcome. Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me on. Uh, interesting. It's a little intimidating coming after Alex there with all that experience. <laughs> but yeah, I, so I, I came to California on a vacation in 1984. I spent my early years since I was a kid working kitchens, um, chefing and cooking in various restaurants. Obviously, that vacation has now extended quite a long time, many decades. Continued working in the restaurant industry here and then passion for wine as it grew i decided i wanted to go learn a little more by doing so i i took a year's work in a, a winery here called wild horse and that year just kept kept evolving and then i was i was the winemaker at a winery called adelaide cellars when tablas creek moved to town just down the street they had no winery just the vineyard so in the early 90s they started bringing their grapes to me and i helped them make the early vintages subsequently moved to France to spend a year in the vineyards of Chateauneuf de Pape at Chateau de Beaucastel, coming back initially to be the winemaker at Tablas Creek Vineyard, but that grew into being the winemaker and vineyard manager. So I've been involved with them since their beginnings in some form or another. And the, you know, I, I'm not sure that I'm the, the perfect person for a technology panel, but um, <laughs> I think the, one of the great parts of what I do for Tablas is the farming, is the, the organics and now the, re, the regenerative organic certification, the biodynamics. I'm pushing that level of what we do further. I'm certainly intrigued in how technology will affect the vineyard, and it will. I'm, I'm fully aware of all that. We're pretty traditional in what we do at this point, but we always have an eye on the on the future for sure. And I mean, I think a lot of the future is vineyards is, and farming in general is learning to farm with the environment in mind. And that's, to me, very, very critical. And I'm sure technology plays a, a large part in that. It does. Thank you very much, Neil. Pleasure to meet you and uh, serious winemakers here. I, I appreciate that very much. Technology is everywhere we look, whether we know it or not, and it's part of everything we do, and, and we're very, very happy to have you here. We're still waiting for Jim Bruno to come back, but I'm not going to delay moving around the table. I know that Bill has emailed Jim and said, wait a minute, you have a power failure. So we will bring him on whenever Jim is able to join back. I will click on admit and bring him back into the show. So for now, we have Neil and Bill and Alex 
topics we've got plenty to talk about. Live radio, Bill, it's like live TV, it's reality TV, it, it is what it is. So let me just, in honor of Jim trying and doing all the work, let me just read a little bit about his background in case he does come back. Uh, he is the founder of Willamette Valley Vineyards, established in 1983. He replaced, this is interesting for everybody, he replaced an overgrown pioneer plum orchard in the Salem Hills of Oregon with Pinot Noir, watering his vines with a garden hose. Oh my, he is a he is a pioneer. He is a, yes, forward-looking person. Jim has been recognized for environmentally responsible wine growing by LIVE, that's Low Impact Viticulture and Enology, as well as receiving the Sustainable Standard Setter Award from the Rainforest Alliance for use of FSC certified work. Uh, hoping he comes back because he's a very interesting guy and we really would like to add him to the panel. So let's go around the panel now. We're going to do the quotes. My guests have graciously sent me a movie or a song or a TV character quote that has nothing to do with the topic. Bill, we don't use topical quotes on these shows. Bill sent me a quote about wine. And I said, no. And he said, why not? Be Just because it's more fun when it doesn't. So Bill has sent us a quote from uh, the Beatles' 1969 Abbey Road album. And the quote is the title of a song, part of a title of a song. Of course, English rock band, the Beatles, the song was written by John Lennon and credited to Lennon McCartney. It's the opening track of Abbey Road, and it was released as a single coupled with something that reached the top of the charts of the U.S. and number four in the U.K. Here's the quote. Come together right now. Bill, should we sing it together? Come together right now. Over me, right? Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, Jim is back. Jim is back. Jim, Bill, go ahead. I'll get Jim settled. You go ahead with your quote. I'm going to put you on speaker view. Go ahead. Great. Well, and I think it really speaks to the whole community, right? So when we get into different topics today, you know, we're going to, we're going to be, you know, talking about how it really does take a village and, and you need to come together in order to get things done. Um, And it's just not one person, right? You know, one of the things I think we're going to learn today and we've learned in other programs is, is that uh, everyone's helpful to, to everyone's goal is to be successful, but also to help each other and to build a broader community. Uh, whether that's within a particular vineyard or a vineyard brand or even just an area. Um, and there's so many stories that we could talk about that and just, you know, the, you know, the people who, who have come before us and the people who are leading us now in specific different wine areas and, and wine studies. And uh, it, it really does, it, it's a testament to uh, this and other industries where just so much cooperation is so fundamentally key to everything that is done. Thank you very much. We always love Beatles quotes. And we're welcoming back. Talk about come together right now. Jim Bruno is coming together. Everybody wave. Hello, Jim. We hope you're okay. With I looked at the screen and it was me plus three boxes. And I said, wait a minute, we're missing someone. It's Jim. So, Jim, I hope you're okay. Jim, I'm going to put you on speaker while we have you. I read your bio, which is fascinating, but we'd love to hear from you. Everybody pretend you didn't hear Jim Bruno's bio. He's here and he's in person going to tell us who he is and your passion for wine. Jim, go ahead. You're up. <clears throat> apologize for it looks like a Wi-Fi problem here. We're out in we're out in the country yep. growing wine grapes on a hill. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I I got interested in wine uh, back when my dad brought home a bottle of wine from one of his clients. <clears throat> and and what, the very first winemaker to come to Oregon bringing Pinot Noir vines to Oregon was a fellow named Richard Summer. And my dad was hired by Richard to help him get a winery license because it had been like 40 years before anybody anybody had done that in the state. And so my dad brought home this wine and shared it with my brother and I, and I was 10, my brother was 12. 
And that's really when it all started for me. And, and, and of course, uh, Bonnie, you were here in Oregon when I went looking for land and planting vines for the first time. Yep. And in, in the, you know, the Oregon has a remarkable story to tell. Um, in, 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 and actually, there's a number of different growing regions in Oregon that, that uh, are ideal for different uh, varieties of wine grapes. And of course, we love Pinot Noir here in the Willamette Valley. And so I've dedicated my life to, to telling the Oregon story through wine. And one of the things that, you know, while you were, at the, while you were in Eugene we, and I was at the University of Oregon, one of the things I learned was the importance of community action. You know, we were, you know, I had, I, I was working three jobs to try and figure out how to pay for my vines. And, but, but what I learned at the University of Oregon was the, the, the power of collective action, of consumer action. Uh, back when I was there, we started a, a little uh, grocery store uh, that was student owned. We didn't want the capitalists to profit from our, our grocery purchases. And so we, all the students got together and started a grocery. And that's what I did essentially with this, with this vineyard. We did the very first preferred stock off, I mean, uh, public offering uh, that was self-underwritten in the country. Absolutely fascinating. I'm so glad you got back. And we have to do a shout out to Mandy Morgan. Everybody say hello to Mandy Morgan, who helped get us, Jim. And, and she just wrote to me, she emailed and said they had a, a Wi-Fi outage. We live with those all over the country, probably the world. I've had, I had a show a couple of weeks ago, Jim, where I was on, uh, we did a live show. And two minutes after I was talking to my guests and all of a sudden there's, they start laughing. This was off air and they're laughing. I said, why are they laughing? And they said, oh, Bonnie froze. My Wi-Fi went down. My upload was completely gone. I had zero upload and the internet in my whole area went out for 38 minutes, but it was two minutes after we finished a live show. And I'm saying, what? I spend more time on the phone with my ISP than with my boyfriend. So anyway, neither here nor there. They're my new therapist and too much about me. Jim, so happy to meet you. What an interesting story. And I was saying when Alex introduced himself that the passion for finding something that you love and here you were you were a kid and you you decided this was something you wanted to do when you made it happen it, it's just this is bill and neil and alex and jim these are lessons for people listening forget about the wine topic for a second these are lessons in how to find something that makes you excited that makes your brain explode with curiosity right and with energy and i want to know about this so follow your passion, follow the wine if you have to, follow the grapes, do what you need to do, be a pioneer. There's still room, right, Bill? There's still room for pioneers in the world. We haven't run out of space for pioneers and we're talking to four pioneers here. I'm so honored. I I want to drink up except my glass is empty. See? Okay. Just want to let you know. And again, shout out to Mandy. Thank you for your help. So let's go. We already did. We had introductions from all four of you. I'm just keeping track here. Bill did his quote and we're going to Alex. Alex sent us a quote from Chris Cornell. The song is Nearly Forgot My Broken Heart. Chris Cornell is an American rock musician. This was released as a single from his fifth studio album called Higher Truth in 2015. And the song hit the top five on Billboard's mainstream rock chart. That's all I'm going to say. And here is the quote. Here's the line from the lyric. Try to take a picture of the sun and it won't help you to see the light. Ooh, Alex, I'm getting goosebumps here. Talk to me. What does this all mean for our topic? Go ahead, Alex Wong. Uh, you know, I think that this could be interpreted multiple ways. You know, uh, as a scientist, you you know, you try to do your best to, to capture what's going on. Um, but sometimes reality is quite more complicated than uh, our research can really capture. And so I think that that kind of 
you know, captures that in a way. Um, but I think also it's, you know, one of those things where you have to really get out there um, and find the answers for yourself. You know, you can't just rely on others telling you what it is. You got to go out there and get the answers yourself. Um, I'm not saying anyone should stare at the sun. Uh, I'm more or less just using this as an analogy. Um, but, you know, that's, that's my take on it. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And you introduced me to Chris Cornell. So there, I'm always interested in quotes from people from movies and TVs I've never heard of. Sometimes I'm embarrassed that I haven't. Neil Collins has sent us a quote from The Who, Pete Downson, Roger Daltrey, John Entwistle, Entwistle, and Keith Moon. Yes, yes, yes. And the song is Now I'm a Farmer. And here is the, and by the way, it's from the album Odds and Sods. Very, very interesting. It consisted of studio outtakes and rarity by The Who, released by Track Records in the UK and Track MCA in the US back in 1974. It's one of the first and earliest examples of a rarities compilation. I'd never heard of that. I do my homework here, Neil. So here's the quote Neil picked. Well, I've moved into the jungle of the agricultural rumble. Oh, we got poetry here. Neil Collins, you're up. Talk to me. How'd you pick this one? How'd you find it? Yeah. Well, how do I pick it? It's not an easy thing to do when you get asked to pick a quote from a movie or a, a song for for this particular subject. But this, I had this album when I was when I was a, a younger man and really liked it, and that has always stuck in my head that that particular song for some reason. And it, it is pretty appropriate, you know. When I came into farming the vineyard at Talbot's Creek, I'd never farmed anything in my life, so I. I genuinely did move into that jungle of the agricultural rumble, particularly as I was asked to farm the vineyard entirely organically down here in Paso Robles, which no one was doing. So I had no no uh, help or guidelines from my neighbors, had to just figure it out myself. So it was, and in my, in my mind, it still is a jungle because the agriculture is ever moving, ever changing. And for what we do at Tablos, we're, we're always pushing to try and be better so i'm still in that jungle thank you very much this is true truth truth or consequences here thank you very much neil we appreciate the quote and now let's go what's that it was a great album by the way oh yeah oh yeah absolutely and jim a lot of memories for a lot of people jim berno has sent us a quote from princess leia organa played by the late very interesting carrie fisher daughter of debbie reynolds and Eddie Fisher. I remember back in the day when Debbie Reynolds was in a movie called Tammy and sang the song, but I am dating myself. This is from Star Wars Episode 4, IV Roman Numerals, A New Hope 1977, Leia Organa, fictional character in the Star Wars franchise. Introduced in the original Star Wars film in 1977, she is a princess of the planet Alderaan. That's with two A's at the end. Um, that's why I said on, Alderaan. A member of the Imperial Senate and an agent of the Rebel Alliance. I'd like to think I'm an agent of the Rebel Alliance in modern days here, Jim. I'm sorry. And here's the quote Jim picked from Princess Leia. The more you tighten your grip, Tarkin, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. Oh, Jim, what is, goosebumps here. What is this all about? You know, I chose this um, for this, actually, this topic because you know just like in the things we're facing in our our lives the same thing is happening in the in the wine industry where there's all this consolidation that's occurring it's consolidation is occurring at wholesale Uh, our access as independent wine makers to our customers is being you know uh, dealt with by very large consolidated wholesalers 
Now even our buyers are very large and consolidating, whether it's uh, retailers or what, or even restaurateurs. And and so really, what what I was uh, uh, trying to point out is that is that at least in our case, through um, developing relationships directly with consumers, having a relationship that we build a community around, we're able to remain independent. We're able to survive in a world that is becoming bigger and more consolidated and where we're, where, where we're really losing a lot of influence over our own lives. And I think that's true in all, all walks of life. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. I want to compliment four of you, all four of you, for taking the time. Neil, sometimes it isn't easy finding a quote. I agree. And I do this on all my radio shows, and Bill knows it's it's a demand. A lot of people are good with their predictions and their discussion statements and their bios and all that. And then they get to the quote and they say, what? She wants a quote. It can't be about the topic. The reason we do this, uh, this is for Neil and, and all of our, our viewers and listeners, is for years I had quotes from guests that were from the standard quotables. We're talking Churchill and John F. Kennedy and Thomas Edison and Darwin, who never said what you thought he said. It was a paraphrase of Darwin's writings by Leon C. Meganson, who was a professor in the 1950s at somewhere university in the Midwest. Alex, that's for you. Anyway, the point is that uh, we, we got uh, Mark Twain and, and uh, Maya Angelou, and after a while, the same quotes are being repeated all the time. So about a year and a half ago, I came up with the idea to ask people to send a cultural, contextual reference, movie or TV character, or a song lyric. We added TV characters recently. We even had a quote from a comedian recently, Emo Phillips, which was very interesting. So I've expanded because it gets the audience to say, wait, I remember that movie. Oh, I got to listen to that song. Oh, yeah, Neil, classical album. We want to hear about that. So that's what it does. It wakes up the audience. We're not boring, but we need to keep them awake. Okay, here we go. This is time, the time of the show where I've asked my guests to send me predictions about our topic, crowdsourcing, crowd crushing, the community aspect of making wine today, the funding, the decisions on the planting and the harvesting and the flavors, if I can use that very pedestrian word in the same sentence with winemaking and viticulture. So I'm going to go to Bill Newman first. Bill has sent me the following quote. It's quote, it's prediction rather, number one from Bill. And to the panelists, I will let you know which quote I've selected, which prediction I've selected for you. I'll put it in the chat. So Bill has the following. Bill, take about three minutes. If anybody on the panel wants to add something when Bill is done, just raise your hand and I will call on you. So Bill says, prediction number one, new funding models will allow present and aspiring winemakers to focus on their craft without, listen, this is important. Jim, this might be addressing something you've been through, without the need to invest their entire life savings to do so. Bill Newman, prediction number one. Talk to me. How's this going to work? Well, there's a, there's an old expression in the wine industry, and and I'm sure other entrepreneurial efforts that uh, you know uh, going into the wine business is a great way to 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 take a large fortune and turn it into a small fortune, and it it, it really does. I mean, when you sit down and you you kind of pencil out all of the costs. I mean, even for somebody like you know, our family that maybe might plant, you know, one or two acres at some point in time, which by the way, we kind of jokingly refer to as a nice landscape project here in wine country. I mean, it's not anything audacious, you know, where you've got hundreds or uh, even thousands of acres. I mean, it really can add up. And uh, as I'm sure you're going to learn from the other folks on the show that are more expert in this area than I do. Um, so really, you have to kind of guess how you're going to go about doing it. Um, for a lot of people who get started as small garageist, if you will, or private winemakers, 
it's simply passion, just seeing what they can do to turn some, you know, grapes into whatever kind of juice, wine that they would like to to make. For those that want to get serious and scale, though, um, different ways to, you know, beyond just friends and family fundraising, um, there are definitely some interesting areas. I think we're going to learn a little bit more about crowdsourcing today. Um, we're also going to learn a little bit more about, you know, just how important some of those subscriptions are um, where people can, you know, buy in on a regular basis, you know, um, wine sales during the pandemic for at-home deliveries, while they didn't replace all of the lost revenues from people visiting the wineries that were shut down, really did increase. Um, there was a significant uptick in those. So again, you know, looking at what the revenue is, how you can do it, how you can pull it together, and of course, managing costs just like you would in any business is so important for this industry. Thank you very much, Bill. Anybody have any comments on that? Anybody want to raise a hand here or we're good? We're good. That was okay. kind of a softball to Jim. If Jim wants to bite, I, he can go right yeah, in. Yeah, I saw him nodding a little bit. Jim, anything <laughs> you want to say about that? You know, the technology is allowing the, the consumer um, to be in charge. And, and that is the fundamental shift that's occurred. Um, you know, we're the very first crowdfunded business in America. And we did a, we worked with the Securities and Exchange Commission to allow us to do that. We were the very first, but now there's a fabric of laws that allow people to raise capital in their communities to to uh, form their businesses and grow their businesses, and and so, and so really um, th there's an opportunity for us uh, to to develop these vineyards and wineries, do it with the support of our our customers in 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 uh, in ways that um, allow us to to be successful and and for those investors uh, you know bill did jokingly say that you start with a large one to end with a small one but i can tell you you know we are required by the securities and exchange commission to file quarterly and uh, we report all of our financials we have audited financials and i can tell you that that our investors aren't wasting their money not only get the, do they really enjoy their investment but they also have made a very sound investment and we've been reporting now for many, many years, over 25 years. And you can look at our financials and see that when consumers own their own winery and support their own winery, they actually do benefit uh, both from their wine and from their investment. Thank you very much. Bill, good prediction there. And I'm glad that we gave Jim the opportunity to chime in. I'm just going to say two words, Jim. Who knew? Right? What do people talk about? You want to invest? Real estate. Buy real estate. Location, location, location. And all of the people who were selling this <laughs> pipe dream on, yeah, I'll teach you how to buy in a down market, an up market, and you're going to make it land. And you're saying wineries. Absolutely fascinating. I hope people are really getting something from this because I am. Alex Wong, I'm looking at your prediction number one next. You say the future of wine viticulture is dependent. Everybody listen up. This is fascinating. Is dependent on robotics and autonomous operation. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Alex, talk to us. Yeah, you know, as, as Bill was talking about, with there's a lot of costs involved with running a vineyard. Um, and one of those costs is labor. Um it's hard to find, you know, labor and it can be pretty expensive. And it's not just for one aspect of, you know, running a vineyard, it's for a lot, you know, you know, pesticide management, um, maintenance of the, the vines themselves, harvesting, processing, um, all of these things involve uh, labor costs. Um, and the future of agriculture is going to precision agriculture so we can maximize our efficiency so we can, you know, 
get the most out of all the things that we do have available to us. And um, one of the things that I've been working on is putting my uh, UVC disease management technology on autonomous robots. So this is actually a project that Jim and I uh, actually collaborate on. So I have a collaboration with Jim at Willamette Valley Vineyards, and we have uh, also a collaboration with Sega Robotics, uh, which is uh, a company that produced the uh, autonomous robotic platform for the UVC. And we've actually been working with, uh, all together on trying to get this up and running uh, to see if we can put this out on a commercial scale to control disease. Bill? I am so impressed with the people you brought to the table today. With There are so many, we're covering, we're talking about viticulture, we're talking about wine, but we're talking about such a bigger concept of thinking outside the box, following your passion, following your dream, doing something you love, doing something in an industry where people will enjoy the fruits of your labor, right? People drink wine. It's something. I, 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 you're probably all going to be mad at me, but I was making chicken tenders for dinner last night, and I was tired of barbecue sauce. And after I put a little olive oil, a little bit Johnny seasoned salt, I still use it. I buy it in a big thing and put it in a little bottle. I poured some good Chardonnay over a little bit of uh, of uh, fig infused white vinegar on it, and then I poured a hefty about a half a glass of Chardonnay on top of it and just let it simmer. I can't tell you how fabulous it was. Was I wasting good wine? No, I was just repurposing it. But it's always in my refrigerator, something I can use to add flavor to a dish when I'm cooking. And I I appreciate fruits of your labor. I appreciate it so much. So thank you, Alex. Question for you, Alex. When we hear about robotics, and Bill knows this from the industry of mobility and manufacturing and our shows about the future of cars, we hear about robotics and we hear about robots. People think, oh, it's going to take jobs away from real people. Are we taking jobs away from real people, Alex, with these robotics? Are we just enhancing the ability of getting something done efficiently that will help the people involved in the industry do their job better? Alex, can you just make a comment on that? Yeah, we're really, we're really adding to it. So the, the use of the robot that uh, Jim Willamette Valley Vineyard Sega Robotics and I have been working on is something that has to be done at night. So this is something that would be at premium hours uh, and cost a lot for labor. So really this is just, you know, helping us add to uh, what we already have uh, to use in our disease management of vineyards. Thank you, everybody. Well, and, just breathe. Go just, ahead, Bill. And just, and just to add to that, I mean, I just not to steal out thunder, but it's a really important program. You're also reducing the amount of chemicals you're adding to the, uh, to the plant as well, which then allows you to check more boxes in terms of biodiversity mm-hmm. or even sustainability products. So it's, it's really great technology that Alex is working on with, uh, with his uh, partners, such as Willamette Valley. It is, and now we have a new comfort level. You can add robotics and still have wonderful opportunities for real people. There we go. And somebody designed those robots, so there's an industry that's getting the benefit of their technology being used, right? It all comes back. Let's go around the table to Neil Collins. Here's a very interesting community type of prediction. Neil says, sourcing and maintaining long-term relations with growers will be increasingly difficult for the small winery. Wow. Neil, can you unpack this for us? Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that speaks to to the crowdfunding thing a little bit. I mean, more and more, I can't speak of the other regions, but in my region, Paso Robles, we see more and more very well-funded wineries coming to town. We've, go, we've moved over the years from more mom-and-pop type stuff to either corporations or individuals that are extremely well-funded. 
and they have the ability to jump into some of our great vineyards and pay double what I might be paying for the fruit and take the vineyard, you know, which is fair enough. That's the way the game is played, I guess. But it makes it increasingly difficult for, particularly for young winemakers that are trying to start a brand to get their hands on the best grapes in town because they can't afford to play against that. So the backing of crowdfunding, which I've never really had any involvement in, but it sounds like a, a really, really good idea. And it's something I see more and more in town. You know, it's harder and harder to keep your hands on on the the good old vineyards because there's, everybody's wanting it. And there's more and more wineries, you know. I mean, we've gone from 29 wineries to 300 in the short time that I've been involved in this business. So competition is big and there's a lot more finance in town than there once was. As far as the technology goes, you know, there's such great stuff coming down the pipeline. I, I mean, my, our parent company is in France and they're using robotic electronic in, in row weed uh, maintenance. So the things come out, do their job and go park themselves in the barn and charge and come out the next day. We just trialed or attended a trial for a tractor being made in California called the, it's called the Monarch. And it incredible technology. Um, not quite there for what we do because we're in such a rough terrain at Tavos Creek, but certainly you just look at that and you can see the future is there and it's loaded with the technology that the likes of Alex is, is developing for sure. I mean, and we need it. Labor is, is harder and harder to come by. It's more and more expensive and it's going to become debilitating just finding it. You know, we've got huge competition from the cannabis industry too now, which is make is paying more than we are and paying in cash so labor increases it difficulty to find constantly we've maintained a, a solid crew of field crew at tablets for 20 years but you know that crew's getting older and it's getting really hard to replace them their kids don't want to do that for a living particularly so as it gets harder the technology becomes really essential and i think in my mind anyway in recent years for the first time i'm seeing things that actually make me look at it and feel this is going to work this is absolutely the future and even as simple as we're moving all of our infield equipment from tractors burning biofuel to electric vehicles you know the the atvs and the quads and the rtvs are all becoming electric which is and the whole winery is solar powered so it's a great move so technologies whether we like it or not it's coming and i think it's a great thing Thank you very much, Neil. Appreciate that. Good prediction. Anybody have any comments on that? We're good? Okay. Let's go to Jim, who is waiting eagerly for his prediction. I picked number two, which I think is interesting. Neil, do me a favor. Would you mute your microphone when you're not speaking? We've got somebody behind you who's doing a lot of interesting things, and we're hearing a lot of noise and banging that's coming across on the show. So if you could, yeah, it's perfect. Okay. And whoever it is, uh, thank you to whoever's in the background and have a good breakfast. Okay. Jim Bernot, prediction number two. Fascinating. Yes, Neil, you're, you're muted now. Go ahead. Unmute. Neil, you're muted and you're talking. I said, let me just say, that's my wife in the background. Well, say hello to your wife. Does she want to come out? Does she want to come out and say hello? I can think of nothing she'd less like to do, frankly. (laughs) (laughs) We'll tell her we're happy to almost have her on the show with us. This is a family (laughs) show, so we appreciate that. That's great. Thank you very much. Jim, your prediction number two. Interesting. Wine, 
consumers. Ah, we're not looking at the winemakers. We're not looking at the scientists like Alex. We're uh, the investors. Consumers. Okay, I'm going to raise my glass. Wine consumers will make purchasing decisions based on the behavior and values of wineries. This is getting into social values, all kinds of. Uh, we started this a couple of years ago. We started this conversation on a lot of my, my shows about the idea that the millennials were coming into the workforce as now investors. They're in their 40s. They're in executive positions. They got money to burn. They got places to invest. And they're saying, we want to know the values of the company we're dealing with, the company we're working for, the company we're investing in, the company we're buying from. So it sounds like this is something that has now gone over into the winemaking area. So Jim, talk to me about this prediction. Go ahead. You know, thank goodness it's it's happening. Uh, you know, the the consumers are more and more in charge of of the economy, and and they used to you know make choices based upon you know price and value of the services and products that they were buying, but now they're making their decision on price, value, and values. They they want the conduct of the people providing them the services or their or products to reflect their point of view, their, the way that they want to live. And, and consumers are understanding that they have market power, that they can vote with their, their dollars and how they choose their dollars to influence the economy. And this is actually a good thing for us because consumers uh, wants, want uh, in a, uh, you know, a safe environment for their families and communities. Consumers want healthy products and they want uh, a, an environment which, which is uh, sustainable and is healthy to live in. And so the consumers are, are, are really taking control and, and they're making judgments. And the, and the nice thing about technology is that it's possible now to, for consumers to, to kind of pull the veil away and look to see what is the conduct of these people. So there's a lot more transparency and there's a lot more authenticity uh, now in in purchasing decisions, and I think it's awesome because businesses are dependent upon their customer base, and a business cannot misbehave because even losing ten to fifteen percent of your customer base for a very thinly profitable business, which most businesses are, is a death knell. Which means that you've got to pay very close attention uh, to uh, how your consumers are responding to you what you're doing in, in the community, what you're, how you're making your product or providing your service. For wineries, this is awesome for us and for people, winemakers like Neil, who see the values of, of what he's doing in the vineyard and in mm-hmm. making his wines. And, and, and they're, they're voting with their dollars to support people like Neil and people like Oregon winemakers who have these values that are near and dear to them. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Anybody have any comments about values, about transparency? That's the big word, right? Transparency. Who are you? What do you believe in? How do you, how do you express your values through what you do, how you speak, how you, how you live, how you produce your products or your services, how you invest, how you, the people you associate with, transparency. Hey, we've got social media and everybody can see everything today, whether you like it or not. Thank you, Jim. All good points. We have time for a round two of predictions. I'm going to go back to Bill. And Bill Newman, I'm looking at your prediction number four. You say, while consolidation will continue across large 
large brands, wine cooperatives, and I want you to talk about that, will challenge the three-tiered system. We need you to break that down for us, Bill, with direct-to-consumer and regional wine destinations. you got a lot of buzzwords in there, Bill Newman. Talk to me. Break it down. Well, I, th- I think what you're going to see is um, more and more uh, wineries, uh, as we're talking about, um, do become uh, superfunded or begin to enhance some of their portfolios. Uh, they'll begin to potentially expand with different varietals, maybe new varietals from neighboring brands that they can bring under the sales umbrella. So that you're, and this is important because I do believe, as we were speaking to, uh, based on uh, Jim's prediction, People want to not only know where their food and beverages are coming from, and this is a broad trend that includes uh, all of organic farming and the whole farm to table movement, but specific to wine, we want to associate wine with place and we want to associate wine also with values and experiences. So one of the things, of course, that you know we're, we're coming out of the pandemic and everybody was buying a lot of wine direct to consumer, um, that because we couldn't go to grocery stores. So the three-tier system, very similar to cars, where you have a dealership, is that you work through a wine wholesaler and distributor. And many in many states, those are highly coveted, very expensive, tightly controlled um, layers that you have to buy, that consumers have to buy wine through. And then, you know, at retail, vis-a-vis liquor stores, party stores, or groceries. But but being able to have more and more, and just I'll add, just for a very long time until we had a very wine uh, wine friendly governor in Michigan, um, Jim and Neil both know this. It was a felony to ship wine to the state of Michigan. What? And so, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Granholm versus United States. So uh, thank you, Gov- former governor, now Secretary Granholm, uh, for opening up some of the uh, uh, universal uh, uh, commerce clause to uh, many different uh, states. So that's going to be challenged. And you also have kind of the uh, the private ambassador program. I know Jim has one at Willamette Valley that we've been a part of for a little while. Um, being able to bring wine and wine living to people's homes so that you can have this concierge experience. The other area of, of um, new revenue, now that we're kind of getting back out of the pandemic, which I think is super exciting, is destinations and being able to take like-minded people, communities of, of fellow wine enthusiasts and, and in some cases uh, owners, uh, and being able to go to places to celebrate wine and maybe not just the home vineyard or location, but maybe going back to the roots. So, you know, in the case of Tablas Creek, going back to France with Chateau Bucastle and being able to kind of understand where the grand origins and the stories are from all of the wines. But in the meantime, that is actually a really impressive source of revenue um, in terms of extending the wine business into full hospitality and travel leisure. And uh, I think that there's probably a potential, Bonnie, to cover on another show, the whole wine tourism business, which is really exploding and it will come back. Trust me on this. People have a lot of pent up need and demand for it. So I think it's just, we're going to keep pushing the edges. Uh, you've got some innovating companies in, in the industry that are going to test new boundaries. And uh, I think that consumers will respond very favorably to those new ideas. 
Bill Newman, you just pitched another topic to me. We've never done destinations on the show. I've covered a lot of topics. This is episode number 99, by the way. So uh, I would love to do that. So bring me bring me a panel for the fall. I'm booking shows, I think, now for late September or mid-October. I'll send you a date. Bring me a panel on destinations. That would be great. I would Destination travel for wineries. Even other industries we could do. Bill Newman, as, as in intellectually wonderful you as you are all these years on the automotive topics and mobility this is just a whole new side of bill newman that we haven't seen on radio i'm so happy to meet the other bill newman there you go we need a hat for you that says i am the other bill newman okay so uh, alex wong we have we just have eight minutes left i want to see if we can sneak in one more prediction from each of you because you all did so much work on these alex just really quickly here's a negative prediction you say crowdsource plant disease management decisions are probably not feasible now. And I'm going to go dot, dot, dot in the near future. Alex, why don't you take about a minute and a half and tell us what this means? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, with the winemaking part that's being, you know, where the decisions are being sourced from, you know, people online and whatnot, uh, those are more or less subjective, right? I remember someone said that there are no wrong answers, but when it comes to plant disease management, there are objectively incorrect decisions that could be made. Um, and that could lead to crop failures and big losses for growers. So this is, that wouldn't really be sustainable um, for anyone, you know, and, and the general population might not be trained on plant disease management. But with that being said, I still think it's really important that we involve the public on these topics, you know, so that we can educate them about what's going into their products. Um, like Jim was talking about, it's, it's transparency. Um, it's really important that we involve um, the consumer in the product that they are going to be consuming, because um, that's going to be important. Consumer demands are shifting that direction. They want USDA organic. They want biodynamic, live, salmon safe. Um, so, you know, they're they're paying, they're voting, and they're making decisions with their dollars. Uh, it's just not in this direct platform setting. It's just in a more indirect market setting. Thank you very much. That's your expertise. We appreciate the view forward. Neil Collins, let's look at prediction number four. This goes with some of what we've been talking about, transparency and values. You say organically farmed grapes will be in greater demand. Neil, unmute, please, and talk to us about this. And how do we know if the grapes are organically farmed? Is it on the label? Is it in the provenance? Is it part of a blockchain of where the grapes came from? How do we know? And what difference does it make? Talk to me, Neil. I think, I mean, it, it's a fairly easy prediction. I think it's already happening. There is a greater demand for organic grapes. The growers that I buy from are finding increasingly when new wineries, new winemakers call them. That is a common question nowadays is, are they farmed organically? I think as people have been saying, the demand from the consumer is becoming stronger and stronger for organically grown grapes. And it's moving beyond that. I mean, Tabas Creek is the first winery in the world to be certified regenerative organic certification or ROC, which if any of the listeners out there have not looked into that, they should, because it's not just wine grapes, it's uh, farming in general uh, through textiles and coffees and et cetera, et cetera. And it encompasses more than just the farming aspect. It incorporates the, the welfare of animals, the welfare of farm workers, which is not incorporated and it's simply organic. So that's also a, an important progression in what we do. And I feel through the ROC program, 
the wine industry and us particularly at this moment because it's so young have a responsibility to make a bit of noise about this because we get a much much bigger soapbox because we make the glamorous wine products than a farmer who's growing lettuce so it's it's a big responsibility for us to stand up and be leaders within the agricultural industry and let people know that what we're doing that it can be done and we've we do it we we're a profitable business and people appreciate it um, with the social media outreach that we all have these days we have the ability to let people know that this can be done. You should be looking and supporting people that are doing that, not just in the wine industry, throughout everything. I mean, really, it's the people that are farming vegetables are, it's a much harder road to hoe than farming grapes, that's for sure, in my opinion. And that needs to be respected, and we need to help that along. Thank you. Great yeah, just, message, just a, Neil. Just a comment yeah. on that, Neil, just if I can. We, we yeah. have uh, We have... Two, uh, two adult children who have just bought 30 acres in northern Michigan. And I got news for you. That is a young person's work. That is farming vegetables <laughs> is not an easy thing to do. No, so one 100 percent for what Neil just said. And congratulations and hats off to all of those people following their dreams yes. as, uh, as farmers. Neil, great yeah. message. Jim wants to say something. Go ahead, Jim. Neil uh, is absolutely right. Um, we do have a special responsibility as wine growers and winemakers. You know, um, we're one of the few products that uh, has not just a message in the bottle, but on the bottle. We get to tell a story to our customers that on their dining room table, they can read about the importance of these practices. And, and so, Neil's absolutely right. We, this, we're, our industry is a vehicle by which we can communicate this message of responsible conduct in our farming and in our winemaking. Uh, so, um, uh, he's absolutely right. You know, you, oftentimes you don't know when you're in a, a dining room setting, you know, mm-hmm. the air that was given to what the, the, what was, you know, that went into the foods that were produced for you. But when you took, take that bottle of wine in your hands, you get to read about that important message. And that's an important point, Jim and, and Neil and everybody is read the label, read the bottle, put it on the table, pass it around, make it dinner table reading before you break bread, before you raise that first glass. I want everybody, interesting, right? I want everybody to pass the bottle around and take a look and let's talk about it, what we're serving you at your meal today. Imagine if restaurants did that too, not just at wine tastings, but we've selected this wine for you. We'd like you to know where it comes from and we'd like you to appreciate the the vineyard and the vintner and the viticulture that went behind i'm getting goosebumps here this is this is interesting bill this could be part of our discussion about destinations we are out of time jim instead of giving you that last last prediction you chimed in on neil's and i appreciate that very much again a round of applause for bill newman for bringing us together today a round of applause for mandy morgan for bringing some of you to the table with us mandy she said she didn't want to be front and center on on the show but she certainly did the effort behind the scenes Neil, thank you so much for being with us. We know you're busy. Shout out to your wife. I hope breakfast is good. Alex, continue your studies and keep making a difference. Jim Bernot, keep just finding ways to make a difference through everything you do and your wonderful story starting from when you were a kid. We appreciate that. The, the, the challenges and the journey. I hate that word, but it's been a journey for you and you're still living the journey. Bill Newman, you just keep surprising me and amazing me with wonderful insights into who you are 
are and the reach of your intellect going into so many fields and becoming an expert in so many ways. And I applaud you as a colleague and as a friend, Bill Newman, and as a, a just a wonderful person who just keeps coming up with new stuff to talk about. So thank you. Everybody say thank you to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at Voice America Radio. He got us on the air today. We appreciate it. LinkedIn, hello to LinkedIn. Don't everybody go away just yet. Hello to LinkedIn, hello to Facebook, hello to Voice America Business Channel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Thank you for listening to Technology Revolution, the future of now. However, if somebody says to you, all right, I want you all to raise a finger. Bill and Alex and Jim and Neil Collins, raise a finger. Somebody says to you, the future is already here. Go on, Neil, raise your finger. The answer is no, no, no. That was yesterday's future. Today's future didn't happen yet, and we're here to make it a better one. Everybody wave goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Bye.